Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In this podcast, we chat about the win against Swansea. We give our praise and place nominations, look ahead to Watford and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown podcast and this is all your Borough Mash Day chatter in a pod. Want support? Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny and Tom. We are the Bora podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And finally, we've got a win to talk about uh, on Saturday. Bora secured the first win of the season against Swansea uh, by beating them two goals to one at the Riverside Stadium. And it moves Bora to 18th in the championship table. Uh, Tom, how are you feeling after Bora's first win of the season? I mean, it was a good one for us too, I guess. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I enjoyed the uh, the hospitality yesterday, but yeah. in in terms of the the result, much better, much more optimistic now. Uh, it's mad how much of a difference Mac Clark made yesterday. Uh, for me, I've just thought we looked so much more of a, a complete team, and it was just complete one eighty of the uh, performance at, uh, at Redden. You know, I went into the game predicting two one. Unfortunately, I was right, but at no point in that game did I think we were going to concede. I just thought we looked really solid. So, yeah, massive improvement from Redden just gives me uh, gives me confidence moving into the next couple of games, which queues up us to get beat off Watford about four nil. But <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean that's probably about right. Um, we should wait until you hear our Watford uh, preview, and that is going to probably cement uh, probably cement that prediction uh, fairly soon. But yeah, I, I'm really happy. Um, I think we're up and running now, and hopefully we can kickstart our season a bit more. Um, I wouldn't say the performance was as good as what we've seen, maybe against the likes of Stoke. Um, and some of the half performances that we've seen in previous games have been relatively good, but better. But in a game where we actually lost our XG battle for the first time, uh, ironically, we won the game. And it's just nice to, to see us um, really kickstart kick things now and get that, uh, get the, you know, that, that horrible feeling of not winning off our back. And hopefully we can continue and try and get ourselves back up the league now. But let's look at the, the Swansea game, uh, Tom, because Wilder made two changes uh, to the side. And that lost against Reading. Lane Roberts came in to make his league debut, and Zach Steph uh, for, for Zach Steffen 
Uh, Matt Clark, who signed earlier in the week, made his first uh, game for the Borough as well, coming to replace Mark Baller. Obviously, we were leading 2-0 at half-time. Uh, Joe Peru scored um, from a penalty spot to make it quite a tight end to the game where it shouldn't have really been. Um, and also, Ben Cabango got sent off as well. Uh, but more about that a little bit later on. Uh, but, Tom, how would you assess the, the overall game? Were you happy with that? Yeah, I mean, like I say, it, it did look like a completely different performance to, to Reading. Uh, I thought we looked a lot more solid at the back, um, which... You know, I don't want to kind of take too much away from from Mark Bowler. I think he's been putting in kind of like as good a performance as you can expect in that kind of like makeshift left centre back role. But with Clark there, as I mentioned, we just looked so much more complete, and especially down that left hand side, it, it just offered us something so much more with um, him, Giles, and 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 Moat being able to kind of interplay uh, with each other, um, and then. Just in in terms of the the performance, I was expecting another kind of tight game between Borough and Swansea, but Mm. during the first half, I just thought, you know what, we can probably get about three or four here Um, because I just I I didn't think they played well at all. I thought we did extremely well in uh, forcing them to to make mistakes, and we got the the goal off 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 the first one, Um, and and yeah, just. It ended up being a pretty good performance, like like you've said earlier, though not not as good as we played against Stoke, and you know deserved to win. Um, but it, it was it was enough to to get the confidence up, I think. And I think when we reached the last eight minutes of the match, which by the way, where did that injury time come from? Um, I think. The, I think the players and then the uh, team must have been listening to the pod last week when uh, we were talking about seeing the game out at Stoke because, you know, the, they just kind of uh, sought out extremely well, took it into the corner, held it up, weren't risking too much. They, they knew how, how vital that three points is going to be and, you know, hopefully that'll be the uh, the the three points to, to really kind of kickstart our season as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think f- for me... Uh, the overall performance and the way that we set up, um, probably at the start, I think a lot of Borough fans, you know, wanted that three-five-two, wanted to see uh, Munis and Force up front, or maybe uh, you know have two up front essentially. But I think they're going one up front. What more again? Are we going to score the goals needed? And and to be honest, I could understand the frustrations on that early, early on. Um, but when the game started, noticed that Swansea in that four-three-three. The patterns of play was very robotic, very systematic in how they operated. And I think the way that Borough set up in the first half in that 3-5-1-1, it paid dividends in that first half. And that gave us a platform in the second, you know, to, to see the game out when we needed to. And yes, it was a little bit nervy and it shouldn't have been. Um, but I'm just delighted that we got the three points and able to, to look ahead to Watford now and hopefully kick on from there. But like I mentioned there, Tom, Swansea had a lot of possession in that first half and in the second half. It was expected, you know, their average possession, 67% so far this season. Um, but how were we able to, to get the better of the Swans, especially in that first half? Well, as I just mentioned there, I think it was um, hitting them on the counter and forcing them into mistakes. And I'm pretty sure Wilder alluded that, uh, to that in his um, post-match press conference as well. You know, we... Uh, like you said, they weren't actually doing anything with their passing. They were just going side to side a lot. It was very reminiscent of us last week at Reading. So us kind of allowing them to have that possession uh, and then draw them out of position, hit them on the counter and, you know, press the uh, the centre-backs and, and midfield into, into making mistakes. Uh, I, thought, I thought that worked extremely well for us. 
um, you know, allowed it allowed us to uh, to limit their space. Um, and you know, obviously, the first goal came from from a mistake from their centre midfielder. I think it was. Uh, the, I think the EFL show said he was only like eighteen and like making his debut or something. So. Unfortunately, it wasn't his maybe. debut, um, but uh, I can't remember his name. It's gone, it's left my brain. Um, but he, he was, was number, number 45, wasn't he? But um, yeah, yeah, he, I can't imagine that's going to be uh, something from his, his young career. He's going to look back on uh, very well, but um, yeah, I, I thought that allowed the, the game to open up a little bit as well. Uh, and then after that, you know, the left hand side worked uh, a great combination for, for the second, yeah. Um, and I think that that. F- that shape, as like I mentioned, and, and the way we set up yesterday was really, really did pay, di- pay dividends. I think, you know, the, ha- trying to occupy that midfield space, the press was really, really good on the first goal because the way that we, we were set up, you know, every time the ball came inwards, Middlesbrough's press was a bit more aggressive um, because we knew that's where the main arrows would come and that's where we, we they'd be exposed as well because the way that uh, Swansea do set up, it looked like a maybe like a, a two, three, five probably um when when they had the ball they were trying to pin our wing backs back um and try and hold the game and um with the possession style but the problem that Swansea have and I think it'd be the real frustrations is like you mentioned there there was no real play with intent yesterday I thought from Swansea I thought they could have done a lot more with the ball the tempo has to be better um they tried that switch of play time and time again but it was just too slow and I think you'd be if you're a Swansea fan I think you'd be really frustrated um yesterday because the quality wasn't good enough, and when they did slip up, they got punished for it. And I think, you know, similar to us, we've seen in previous games where the tempo, when it's just not right, it does leave you exposed when you're playing with those high wingers. Um, and that's what you get. What's what happens when you get punished? Um, but in terms of, uh, you've already mentioned him, really, Tom. Uh, but Matt Clark yesterday um, making his debut. Um, <sighs> Man of the match as well from Maddow. Probably man of the match from us as well when we were watching him in, from the stands. But it really does prove how valuable a left centre-back is, uh, and especially the right left centre-back as well, because he was tremendous yesterday, wasn't he? Yeah, I feel like I could have just answered every question with Mac Clark on this and just talked about <laughs> him for an hour, because it was just absolutely fantastic performance. from um, You know, I think in terms of a debut performance, you'd, well to kind of remember too many borough players having a have a better one than that than that uh in, in defense um but yeah it definitely shows how how much a proper solid left center back was needed in that system uh it open, opens up so many more kind of like uh passing lanes and avenues up the uh the left hand side of the pitch and like i say bowler um we all knew was kind of like a, a makeshift in that position and and last year, McNair did okay. Um, I, I think he's going to do much better on the right-hand side. But I, I think we've, we covered it quite a few times last season. There were goals that were coming because they were played across McNair and he's not left-footed. So, you know, he's mm-hmm. having to swing with his right and he's already kind of behind the ball at that point. So, you know, having that actual actual left-footer there and, you know, such a solid player like McClark as well, you know, hit, won quite a lot of headers yesterday, and I loved how kind of aggressive he was in the in the tackle as well. Uh, really, kind of just didn't let anyone past him. Um, so I, I think that that experience with him and Lenahan in our back line now, uh, especially on that left hand side, is just going to pay dividend dividends for us throughout the uh, season. Yeah, uh, it was Congreve on on that on that right hand side before he got subbed, but it was like you could see that Borough did target him uh, on on that left hand, well their right and our left hand side. Um, on, on Matt Clark, um, yeah, 
really, really good. Um, interceptions are really key in key moments. Um, like you were saying there, the experience that he brings, and although he's, he's still relatively quite young, good leadership skills, which we could see uh, from, from where we were sitting. And it looked like we've got a really good player and a snip at, at two million, really. I know, I know that Jacob Greaves was probably our first choice in that front, but I think with what we've brought in here, the experience is all a six foot two, three, four, whatever, whatever it is, um, doing overlaps who shouldn't be doing overlaps like that was tremendous to see. And I think he just fits the system so, so well. Um, and you know, like you know, what I say Hall might have priced themselves out of a move, but we've we've got a fantastic, fantastic player in Matt Clark, and I'm pretty sure we're going to come back to him in a, in a moment when we go into the present place. But um, we seen Rodrigo Muniz as well yesterday, Tom. I think you know, 40 minutes he came on. Uh, for, we've seen him yesterday when he came on for for Duncan Watmore. Um, nearly scoring from the halfway line, of course. Well, say nearly, it was uh, he didn't just get the connection <laughs> just right. Um, but what's your opinion on him? What, what was what? What did you think of his, his first forty minutes in a Borussia? Well, I mean, firstly, I love the confidence to even try that, <laughs> but uh, I, I don't think Wilder was too pleased, judging by his uh, post-match interview. But no, I thought he was a good physical presence up front. Seemed to win a yeah. lot in the air, uh, but he's not like doesn't exactly like look. Uh, you know, like a kind of physical hold-up striker, like you know, Ikpiazu was for us or anything like that. Mm. It was uh, he has a decent vertical leap on him and very good close control. So he was just picking things out of the air, and I think he's going to play that link-up striker role extremely yeah. well. Um, he also seems a pretty good finisher as well. The fact that he was able to hit that cross in from Crooks the way he did. I mean, it's a shame he hit the post, but I didn't expect to see kind of anyone getting that much power on a shot from from that sort of position where you're in that closely marked from a defender as well. Um, obviously, like I said, the, the last set, set about was 50 yard of the better, but uh, in, in terms of finishing <laughs> on, on that volley, it was uh, it, it was quite impressive. Just It deserved a goal. Yeah, it did. Like the technique was superb as well, just to really shape, your, just bring your body back and get just get the right connection. I think it's what a couple of couple of millimeters away uh, from hitting the inside of the post and going in. And for me, I agree exactly with what you say there, Tom. Really good link up player. I feel like if he had force with him, um, maybe we'll create a little bit more chances. And the, the more and more I was thinking yesterday's game, I was thinking we could really maybe a three four one two might even pay more dividends for us. Uh, you know, with that link up player from McGree, if he wants to drop back in, your two um, midfielders will drop a little bit deeper, so you play a double pivot, and that might help things. But obviously, you don't have to change too much. The performance has been relatively quite good, and I thought Munis is in, in general. He showed the qualities I think that we need, and you know what, we might go on the market for another striker. Um, but for me. He looks, he looks to me like a good sign, and just from those early, from the early doors, forty minutes from what we've seen, I think it was a good account of himself, and I think a goal would have been deserved for his for his performance. But it was a bit nervy uh, at the end, Tom. You know, uh, again, this one's again a penalty from from the corner. It was like hit Lenahan's uh, arm, uh, but do you think it was a penalty because we didn't have a clue at the time what the penalty was given for? And I've had to rewatch the the video time and time again, and the high and the highlight, and try and get the close ups and all sorts. But it seemed a it seems a bit harsh, don't you think? Yeah, I, I think it was harsh. I can kind of understand why it was given mm. because from the angle they showed on the AFL highlight show, it did look like it was at least going on target. I think a yellow card is extremely harsh in that situation because 
watching it back, there's absolutely nothing that Lenahan can do to kind of get out of that situation. So I don't understand how you can even say that was even slightly intentional. Um, yeah, I thought very unlucky to to concede that penalty because, as I said earlier, with how solid we looked yesterday and how poor Swansea were, I didn't see us conceding at all. Hmm. I, I didn't at all. Honestly, we were cruising, cruising the games. But yeah, for me, like is. His body was turned. It hit the back. The obviously his his uh, his his, uh, his arm was you know behind him. So it's uh, he's not even looking at the ball either. He's already passed it. So I just thought it was a bit harsh. You know, I think when we're looking at like if you want to look at the, the Premier League uh, from yesterday as well with Southampton, Man United, McTominay and his handball is far worse. Um, I know but, he was doing you know, Harlem Globetrotter skills with it, wasn't he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought he was just playing uh, netball or something, you know what I mean? Just like just catching it or basketball, whatever, just trying to throw it about. But yeah, I don't know. But it was, I think it was a bit harsh, but it did make things a little bit more nervy towards the end. But the drama didn't stop. Tom, uh, Ben Kamango got sent off um, for, for you know, a push on Isaiah Jones. Um, but for Isaiah Jones, I want you to pack your bags and sun cream because you've just won a ticket to Shithouse Island. <laughs> Let me take you to a place where memberships are smiling face Pushing shoulders with the stars Where strangers take you by the hand and welcome you to Wonderland From beneath the Panama Shit outside and drinks are free But in sunshine there's enough for everyone All that's missing is the sea but don't worry, you're a shit house. Don't do videos when you're oh, okay. um... <laughs> you can't, I, yo, I, Anyone who's listening, I couldn't encourage you to like, just tune into YouTube and, and watch that video cause, <laughs> anymore. Cause, um, stitches here. Uh, that's funny. But well done to Isaiah Jones. You have now uh, been the first recipient of the Shithouse Island for the season 2022-2023. But you've joined a, a very good uh, selection of players that are already on there. But juggling the ball and causing a ruckus is enough for you to get a place on there. But for another place, we're going to talk about the present place. Um, the present place is the place. We like to give a praise to a player, a fan, Chips and Curry, all the hospitality food that me and Tom had yesterday, which was fantastic. Um, and and, so, and probably the view that we had as well in the director's box, which is also fantastic. <laughs> um, we don't know, work perks. Um, but Tom, who gets your nomination this week? Uh, well, I mean, number one has to go to Matt Clark, really. Uh, yeah, like, as I said earlier, like I, I think he was everyone's man of the match yesterday. Absolutely mm-hmm. fantastic debut, and you know, look forward to to seeing even more of him uh, this season uh, and what's what more is to come. Um, and then, other than him, Riley McGree, I thought had his best game mm-hmm. this season so far. I think he's played in some games like the Sheffield United game where the physicality hasn't really kind of suited him. Um, I think, you know, I remember Sheffield United marking him quite tightly and he he just couldn't get involved in that game at all. But I thought yesterday he played absolutely fantastic and probably got overshadowed a little bit by the debut of Clark and everyone talking about him. Um, Because, like I say, I just... It seemed like every touch of the ball he was getting, he was just like knocking it into the right place to to advance our attacks, and obviously capped it all off with a goal as well. Mm, yeah, 
Uh, I think my picks are very similar. Um, obviously, Matt Clark, you know, I think what we've spoke about previously, I think his performance was just superb, top top bottom. There was there was no faults for me, you know. His, the way he played off from the back was excellent. His defensive work was really good in terms of interceptions and his positioning was excellent. Um, he just gave a calm and collectedness. Uh, it was calm and collective performance from him. And the second um, person I want to praise this week is um, it's Liam Roberts. Um, you know, we, we heard him speak after the game. Um, I think his mentality and is just... Is, is fantastic, but also he just really, really wants to be here and also um, wants to prove to Borough fans that he could be the number one for Borough. Um, but in terms of making his debut, it was calm. He commanded his box really, really well. Things look, were very, you know, just good in terms of his leadership traits, but also he brought that calmness to the defence as well. And I think when he wasn't comfortable, he just got rid of it. Bora started again, and that was absolutely fine by me. You know, I do do want Bora to play from the back because that does help generate more chances. Probably not just obviously not in the building phase, but in the, the second and final thirds. No, it brings up more progression. It's a bit more fluid. Uh, but sometimes you've just got to go along if you need to, and he just did that when we needed to. And for me, it just I know it's like a, a quite a low barrier to say that you know made his debut, good mentality to be here, but. I just think for someone making that step up, I think he was really, really good. Um, but obviously, Stefan might get his place back in the next couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, I think it overall deserves a bit of praise just for his overall performance. And just hearing him speak after the game, it was really, really positive and, and really nice to hear as well. Um, but let's move on to questions, Tom, because each week uh, you're able to send a question in via Twitter, uh, the Telegram chat, or uh, email us at theboroughbreakdown.hotmail.com. And the first question we've got this week is from Danny, and he says, what type of midfielders do we need? Uh, Wilder wants two more, one CDM, one right centre midfield. Any suggestions and why? Um, Tom, what type of midfielders do we need? Well, I think at the right-hand side midfield, we need to kind of replicate what we've got in terms of having Mort and McGree on the left-hand side. Hmm. I think Crooks can play the same role as Mort quite well. Uh, but can't can't play the same role as McGree uh, that well. So I, I think we need a, a more kind of direct uh, attack and threat, uh, you know, technically good uh, on on that right hand side, a bit more uh, similar to McGree. Um, I don't have any suggestions for that, although you know we have been been linked with Josh Windass today, who I think is mm-hmm. uh, a number ten, right? Um, yeah. So you know, possibly he could kind of slot in there play similar to, to McGree if, if that link is true um, and then CDM um, you know we, we were sat a table over from a guy yesterday who may or may not have been Teddy Toomer, definitely wasn't <laughs> but <laughs> um, judge, judging by uh, you know what uh, what you've said about him playing in the Belgian league Johnny I, I think that's the ideal type of uh, signing for us um, you know someone who's going to Play that that house and role, but you know, bring a lot of energy to that uh, mm. centre defensive midfield uh, role. You know, get aggressive in the tackle and uh, aggressive with the interceptions as well, and and just help the team kind of recover the ball and play out. Yeah, um, I agree. I think uh, Teddy Timo, like or Teddy Shithouse, uh, is you probably <laughs> want to look at him. Is a very very good midfielder, left footed. Um, good at his interceptions. He played more an advancing role. He's played more advanced role for USG. Um, more of a um, in over in Belgium, and you know he's more of a, a box to box at times. But I feel like sometimes his interception play is that aggressive. You just think, well, you do a quite a good job at CDM anyway. 
Um, so f- for me, it could potentially be a signing. Um, that right centre midfield role, it, it's a difficult one, really. I think Martin Piero would have been superb uh, this year for that, but we've let him go out on loan. And I think it's just, I'd be intrigued to see uh, who we bring in on that front. But I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a position that we should be stressed too much about. Um, we know we we can change things if we need to. I think. You know, maybe a, a, probably the centre defensive midfield midfield role is probably the one that we need to secure first, and then maybe another striker if we want to do it and stock stockpile all the strikers. Um, the next question um, about strikers is from John. He says, "Which striking options will we have at the end of the window, and have what Mar and Akpom done enough to be part of Wilder's plans?" Um, this the what Mar and Akpom side of things. Um, I think if there is a striker to leave um, or strikers to leave, I think what Moore and Corburn's probably going to be the people that will. Um, and no disrespect to what Moore, he's he's a you know he's he's good. Um, but I think what but I think with what Dana mentioned last week, he is replaceable. You know, with Matthew Hoppy coming in, very similar player in terms of being uh, a good presser and trying to cause problems for the defense and trying to get in behind uh, teams. Matthew Hoppy does that. Um, but also when we're trying to elevate ourselves to be a top six and, and above, does what more fit that um, that place? I think it's a bit, I don't know. To be honest, I'm a bit undecided on him, but if he was to go, I think it would be what more. I think Akpom's probably done enough uh, for now. While they said he's done enough, but unless a bid comes in for him, I can't see him going anywhere um, at all um, because I'd only Borough really want to sell him now from his early performances uh, this season. And what he could bring, but Tom, what striking options do you think we'll have? Do you think it'll be who, who do you think's gonna who do you think's gonna go? Or do you think it'll be what Moore and, and, and Corburn if if Cor- once Corburn gets fit? Yeah, I mean it, it'll be uh, tough to call if if Corburn gets a, a loan move, won't it? Because I mean mm. he he was out for uh, six or eight weeks, which I think took him to like past the um, the end of the transfer window. So in terms of a medical, I'm not entirely sure how that might work. Mm. But, um, you know, I think a loan move would do him the world of good. Um, I think I said previously, if he's playing in a team where he's getting regular football in a system with two up front or, you know, one with a a number 10, it's going to be very similar to to how we play. uh, And and he can come back and kind of hit the ground running next season. Um, In terms of between Watmore and Akpom, I feel like it would be Watmore. Um, That's kind of based on what Wilder was saying about Akpom saying, you know, he's done enough to to stay. And I think there was actually a quote saying he won't be leaving. Um, Obviously, every player has his price, but, you know, I I don't see anyone kind of coming in um, off the back of, you know, a few good performances at the start of this season uh, with, you know, silly money to to try and sign Akpom. I think in terms of what more... um, you know what you've said there, and, and what Dana said last week. It is true; he is he is replaceable. I mean, he he's been a, a great player for us since he has signed. Uh, you know, when we signed, him, we were severely lacking, and uh, in that department, he brought a lot of energy to it. Mm-hmm. And I still think he is a good option off the bench. I was a bit surprised with our striking options at the moment that he did start yesterday, but I thought he did extremely well there. But looking at the 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 whole kind of situation. He, I believe, is in the last year of his contract, and he's also kind of managing a, a knee injury um, every game from from what we've heard. So um, if we were to kind of cash in now, I think it would be our last chance to do so. 
Um, obviously, if he gets to January, he's, he's kind of free to negotiate with all the clubs to, to the end of the season, isn't he? So, mm. if if he if if we want to get any any money for for what more, which as well we've gone free transfer, I can't imagine the wages are, are, are too high. It would be looked at as as you know solid profit made off off this player. Um, I, I think you know within the next week, it's it's the the last chance to kind of do that. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, but we'll come on to the deadline stuff, uh, deadline day stuff in, uh, just, in just a moment. But the final two questions we've got, one's from Nick and he says, should Wilder have made changes earlier than he did before their goal? Midfielder was shot and they were sitting way too deep. Is that inevitable? It was inevitable that they were going to score. Um, we did make change. Obviously, we, we did make changes, defensive changes. Uh, if if that you know, bring on the like Tommy Smith and also uh, Dale Fry came on towards the end, and um, we were just stockpiling centre backs at that point. Obviously, when Mark Wall came on as well. Um, so you know, obviously, maybe Wilder just thought, let's just get the result. But in terms of Borough's uh, deep defensive shape and, and getting deeper and deeper. I think it was intriguing for me, to me to see Swansea come out second half. Who they looked like it was a team who was like stop playing our robotic system, even though we we continue to play a robotic system and just try to be a bit more aggressive and try and get our tempo up because that's where Swansea were really lacking. And that that force brought to be a little bit deeper and they try to defend the the league uh, the lead from that. But sitting deep sometimes isn't always a bad thing, you know. When you're going to that low block shape. You're trying to limit the chances and get someone in. If someone if someone comes into the box, you know you got enough bodies in there to to get rid of it and start again. And we we you know it, there is parts in games where you're going to see that you can't always be gung ho. You can't always have the control of the game. Ninety minutes is a long, long time. Like obviously everyone knows who, who who's who's played the game. And you know when you get tired and teams start to get on top and they start to you know get in get more possession, it starts to click for them to get a bit of rhythm because rhythm in general it doesn't get talked about enough in football but if once a team gets a bit of rhythm and how you disrupt it is very very important and I think just once you got a bit of rhythm in the second half and it was important for Borough to keep that shape and catch them on the counter attack because that's where we were going to be um while it did make look make the changes but I think for me it wasn't a, a necessary by thing by sitting deep but I can see where the frustrations are because you want the outlet you want to escape that um that pressure, um, and you do so with your wing backs for Borough, and we just didn't make enough make probably the most of it at the time. Um, but in terms of the performance, I thought it was relatively quite good. We limited Swansea's rhythm 
uh, for long periods of the game. We stop we stop them from being progressive. Um, but when they get going and when they start to really play, um, I think they'd be a dangerous side. Um, I think to compare them, like Manchester City, in terms of like a systematic team, a, a team that had focuses so much on rhythm. You know, the kind of like Manchester City and Swansea are kind of like do you know why like your Wi-Fi where you turn it off and off and on and off again. <laughs> Um, it's just it's steady, isn't it, all the time? But when you turn it off again, it's like that bit, like the, oh god, that, that that minute or two minutes of um, disruption is how you get the best out of those teams, uh, or get the or get the best into, out of your team to disrupt them even more, and that's where you're going to score more goals. But for me, um, I, I had no problem with sitting deep second half yesterday. I thought it was a bit natural when you're two and a lot at half time. Team's going to come out more and try uh, to implement their style in the game, and I think we did well to to get over the line there. Um, but in terms of the last question, it was from, it's from Robin. He says, how can Borough learn to finish games off? Uh, today could have been a very, uh, another, another stalk for me, Tom, what, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think we, we learned yesterday how to finish it, finish a game off or is there still improvements to be made? Well, yeah, I mentioned earlier, like, you know, mm. as soon as it hit that last eight minutes, we were trying to take it in the corner, waste as much time as possible. And I've got absolutely no problem with us doing that. I think, you know, the only way it could be could have been another stroke. Uh, you know, came from from their penalty. But just to kind of go back to to the last question, even before they got the penalty, as I think I've said multiple times, I never saw them uh, actually scoring. You know, the mo- momentum was in their favour, but we never looked kind of vulnerable to to conceding at that point. So, you know, I, I wasn't kind of too um, you know nervous about the defence or anything. And you know, seeing seeing the game off, I, I still kind of wasn't worried. They were down to ten men, but you know, they were having most of the ball. They didn't look like the the team that was down to ten men, but we we defended really well. Um, and I think we did everything that was needed within that eight minutes of injury time to, and and kind of a, a little bit beyond that as well, um, to to make sure we we went away with the three points there. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree, but also the Sun Borough like Borough normally dominate games really possession wise, and we really implement our style. So I think sometimes when we look, we've been looking at our XG in like the last few weeks and how important it's been. But Borough haven't been getting the rub of the green into in front of goal. I think once we we start to to finish our chances, games should be dead and buried. I think we've just been really unfortunate over the last few games, um, and I think it's. A valid point that these points get brought because we're not finishing games off, but then teams are punishing us uh, defensively. Um, I think the front line would just need to finish the chances. I know it's as easy and very football cliche, but our, our strikers need to put these these chances away, and that will make things a lot easier. But I think the sign of Matt Clark is going to really help defensively. Our shape looked really good yesterday. Um, the XG side of things, yes, we lost, um, and the XG side of things, but the penalty in itself brought that massively up for Swansea because apart from that, I think they were tracking at like 0.15 at one point. Um, and the, I think the, uh, the XG stats as well, I think it comes up to like this 80th minute and that's when it shot up for them. And uh, that was about it really. It didn't re- create too many chances. But again, a win's a win. We move on and we hopefully have a few more uh, this season. Um, but let's look ahead, Tom, to, to deadline day because, you know, it's, it's looming Thursday, 1st of uh, September. And appreciate we're going to have a pod probably come out in in the next couple of weeks or so around the transfer window and have the ins and the outs of it and what was what was a good transfer, what was a bad transfer, and how can things progress. Um, but how active can you see Bora be in the next few days? 
Uh, I can see us being quite active and, and bringing in at least two players. Um, I know Wilder's mentioned he wants three. Uh, hopefully that would be the case. But overall, I have been actually quite impressed with how we've handled our business this transfer window. Mm. I think, you know, in, in windows past and, and you know, pre kind of Wilder, Kieran, Scott era, we have either been kind of pulling in the different directions of, of the way we want to go or... You know, it'd get to the end of the window and we'd panic and sign like George Savile for seven million and, and not Jed Wallace for some reason. Um so I, I think in the next few days we, we will be looking to uh to address the the positions that we've you know identified for, for weeks now. I think personally that Larson's gonna go down to deadline day and I think we will end up getting him. Interesting. The okay. The midfield uh, signings, I hope, kind of just go a little bit under the radar, and then it's like broken on, you know, Monday or Tuesday that we're loaning Ampadu or, or or something like that. Um, but I, I think at least two signings within, you know, the next however many days it is now until uh, until the window closes. Yeah, I'm just I'm just glad that Tony Pulis isn't in charge anymore because you know he was took everyone <laughs> at the pub because they're a great set of lads and uh, just just ride out the the rest of the transfer window when we're in desperate need of of, a, of wingers at that time. Uh, but yeah, I can see he's being quite active. I think two to three signings. I think yeah, uh, Tom. I think I think it'll happen. Um, but what do you think is the the most important position for us? Um, is it striker? Is it centre defensive midfielder? Could we go for a right centre mid or? Could we do something a little bit out of left field and bring some, someone else in? See, for, for me, I think it's centre defensive midfield. Um, mm. You know, yeah. I'm I'm fairly happy with our strike force as it is. I think if we get Larson on top of that, it'd be an absolute bonus and, uh, and you know, a, a quite a massive bonus as well because, you know, judging by what we've seen and, uh, you know, what, what his stats are like, he's going to end up being a, a very good player. But we haven't had anyone to kind of challenge Housen or be there if Housen's suspended or injured or anything like that um, for, you know, what, season and a half now. So I think that is probably the um, the ideal position to strengthen. Um, if, if we can get a, a younger player in there, uh, more kind of like a, a long-term, not, not so much a long-term project. We don't want to be kind of signing youth players there and, uh, and having them as the backup, but if if we can have a, a long term replacement for Housen, uh to compete with that uh, for that position, I think that would be the uh, the priority area for me. Yeah, I agree. I think the centre defensive midfielder really important. You know, Housen, like we were saying that Housen, most important player for us um, in terms of that that position that really dictates our play, gets us going as well. And um, I think for me, yeah, I think if we can bring someone into not just replace, not replace house, but give them the competition or trying to rotate someone in there is really vital. But, you know, strikers, I mean, we can, you can never have enough strikers. I mean, Brian Robson would have something to say about that in 97, 98. I think where he had, I think it was Paul Merson, Marco Branca, Hignett, Mikel Beck, um, I think Hamilton Ricard, I think it's what, I think Hamilton Ricard as well, uh, Jamie Moreno, I mean, Andy Campbell, I think how many how many strikers did one man want? You know, I, I think Alan Armstrong as well. If I didn't mention that, so you know he had he had abundance of strikers. Um, so I mean, why not? Um, I mean, Marco bringing bringing in Marco Branker and Paul Merson for your championship team, you know, absolute madness. Um, but you know, who knows? Uh, we could bring in some more strikers. But can we see any outgoings? Tom, do you think anyone might leave before we go? Dilf, uh, Dilf, Fry, maybe. 
I think we would only let Dale Fry go if it was a significantly high bid and we had a replacement lined up. Um, mm. I think at this moment, we'd probably be looking around seven to eight million for him. Um, and that, that's purely because I know we could have got around 15 mil a couple of seasons ago. I think that time to kind of cash in as as passed now, uh, and I think that's the the kind of areas of offers would be would be fielding for him now. But I don't think we want him to leave. I think you know based on on what Wilder said yesterday, uh, you know Fry is definitely still kind of part of the plans for the season, and I think any outgoings are just going to be youth loans at this point. I think it's going to be the likes of Corburn, uh, Hackney, for example, going out and getting more experience under the belts on loan. Okay then. Well, let's move on. Uh, let's look ahead to Watford now, Tom, because on Tuesday night, Borough travelled to Vicarage Road to play Rob Edwards' Watford. The Orns currently sit seventh in the championship table, uh, but to get a bit more insight, we spoke to Mike from the Rookery End uh, to get some more insight on the Orns. Hello, Middlesbrough. This is Watford calling, and I bring you good bearings uh, because it appears that the Hornets are, well, we're a bit crap, really. Uh, speaking to you on Sunday, the day after a rather sobering home defeat to Queen's Park Rangers, QPR, good value for the win. Uh, every time they went forward, they looked to uh, cause us difficulties. So a bit of a wake-up call, I think, for Rob Edwards, uh, for the team, and also the fans. But personally, I think we'd been flattering to deceive up until that point. We were second in the table. We're now outside the playoffs, and I think that's probably a more accurate representation of where Watford's play and performances should see us. Going forward has been the biggest concern for me, despite having um, what's rumoured to be very, very valuable players in João Pedro and in Ismail Assar. We've not really been able to get them into the game enough to ask enough questions of opposition defences. Just have a look in the goals four column uh, in the championship table and it tells its own story. Those problems persisted against Queen's Park Rangers uh, and we've seen to throw into the mix um, an inability to, to defend as, as well. We looked all over the shop yesterday and from a midfield point of view, we look light there as well. Hamza Chowdhury's come in there on loan from Leicester and shored things up a little bit. Um, so all in all, the jury is is out. I mean, you have to caveat it a little bit. We don't really know what our squad is going to look like come the 1st of September. I mentioned Ismail Assar and, and João Pedro. Huge amount of uh, conjecture um, about their future. And that's bound to have an impact on the players themselves, the squad as a whole, and, of course, Rob Edwards. He, he doesn't know which 11 he's going to be able to put out from, from one week to the next at the moment. So there are mitigating factors, but I do think that by this stage we should have a clearer idea of how we want to play we should have a clearer idea of the formation and the and the patterns of play we want to be uh delivering and Watford just aren't able to get take control of games and and for a team that is hopeful of being at the, the top end of the table that's that's a real concern so Lots of lots of concerns, lots of mitigating factors, but I think for Watford at the moment there are more questions than answers. And I think from a Middlesbrough point of view, uh, coming to Watford on, on Tuesday evening, I think it's a great time to, to play Watford. It's just before the window shuts, so that uncertainty will still be swirling around. It's also, just as a side note, it marks the uh, the 100-year anniversary of Watford's first ever game at Vicarage Road, so there's going to be a few celebrations about that. And I don't know about you guys at Middlesbrough, but whenever Watford have an event like that on a match day, 
the, the football never seems to, to match the excitement of, of that sort of celebration. So um, for that reason alone, I expect Middlesbrough to, to win. Um, but yeah, overall, look, Watford aren't out of it. Watford are going to be hopefully challenging in, in some way, shape or form. But they look a bit of a mess at the moment. I think we lack shape, we lack leaders uh, and we lack uh, cohesion and a genuine goal scoring threat. Apart from that... Everything's fine. Um, and if that doesn't tempt you to buy a ticket to Vicarage Road on Tuesday night, nothing will. Uh, enjoy the journey if you're coming down. Uh, I hope you don't enjoy it too much. Um, but yeah, that's us. Coming to you, Goldens. Watford 5, Middlesbrough 0. Um, it's, just, it's just standard, isn't it? I mean, like, um, you know what, uh, Mike, thank you very much, obviously, for doing that as well. But I feel like everyone that comes on this podcast now uh, is doing the, the reverse of the malt curse uh, and uh, just saying, you know, we're terrible, don't, you'll absolutely steamrollers. Uh, and then we end up getting beat. So, um, but Tom, what's your thoughts on the game on Tuesday? Because it seems to be a really, really big game for us, especially if you want to be in that top six this year. It looks like a, a game where you're going to have to go there and try and win. Yeah, I, I think at the very least, get a draw. You need to be at least picking up points away at the, these teams. Uh, I still expect that Wofford will be up there uh, come the end of the season. Uh, they'll probably go through about four managers until that point, so one of them will get it right. <laughs> um, and um, I, I just I know with Wofford, they are still a strong team. It's always a difficult game when you when you play them. Um, fully expect it to be on, on on Tuesday night, and I think it just depends which which Borough turn up. I think you know if we look as solid as we did yesterday, uh, we could still still take something from the game. Um, we just need to avoid turning up and playing like we did at Reading, really. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I think, I think with with them as well, and, and I know Mike said you know they're they're on balance at the moment, and leadership's a bit like hard to come by, and they're in a bit of a transitional phase. And although that's right, you know that there is a lot of quality there. Um, I think they're going to be still in and around it come the end of the season. There's enough quality there within that side to to really put put um put a market down for the season and also make things really difficult for us. But I think if there's one place to go where you can try and get a result and really show that, you know, that the, the start of the season was a bit of, you know, a bit of teething issues. Um, this could be the place to do it. And, you know, I think if we if we go there, try and get a result, um, that can really give us enough confidence to go in the next few games against Sunderland and so on and, and try and go there with a load of confidence. So what's your predictions, Tom? What, what are you going to go for? Are you going to go for a Borough win, draw, defeat, match abandoned? What do you think? <laughs> I'm going for one-one here. Um, personally, I can't remember too many examples of Borough actually getting points at uh, at Vicarage Road. I just I remember they're always always uh, quite tough games for us. So I think we if we go there, we get a point. That's a, a decent result to build off. And then you know if, if we come out of that next game, uh, if we go into the next two games against Watford and Sunderland, come out with four points, including a win against Sunderland, they'll be quite happy. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm the same. Um, four points, four points would be fantastic. I think, um, but you know, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna go there with confidence. Um, I think that we could, you know, 
probably get a result. I think um, I'm hoping we, we we win two goals to one away from home. Uh, I think Rodrigo Muniz is going to score his first Borough goal. Um, but what are your predictions as well? Leave them in the YouTube comments uh, below. But also uh, tweet us. What is going to be your prediction uh, for the game on Tuesday? And also let us know your thoughts on the performance as well uh, from from Saturday and see what were the what were the positives, what were the negatives, and what do you think Borough could still work on. Um, just tweet us at the Borough underscore breakdown or let us know in the YouTube comments below. But Tom, thank you very much uh, for joining me as always. And to the listeners and the viewers, thank you very much for watching as well. The Borough are finally up and running. Uh, but right now, this has been the Borough Breakdown podcast. And that was all your Borough Match Day chatter in a pod. Up the Borough Breakdown.